Welcome back to the Hooper's Almanac. This is the second episode of this podcast. If you listened to the last one, we covered the Eastern Conference, introduced this podcast, and had a fun little segment called Cereal and Brews. So if you liked that, hopefully you're back here for a second one where we're going to be talking about the Western Conference. Mitch, how are we doing today? And welcome to the Hooper's Almanac. Yeah, I, I'm doing great. Uh, you know, it's just been a crazy uh, first week of just trying to like, you know, trying to learn about what we've, what we can do better as a podcast. Uh, the other thing is, Hey, if you haven't, if you're listening to this podcast now and you haven't listened to the first one, go back, listen to Eastern conference, listen to what we have to say. That way you can kind of understand what me and Aaron are going to be kind of be talking about during this episode. Uh, because we had a little, uh, a lot of description of what these different, uh, uh, divisions that we're going to be kind of talking about going into this podcast. hundred percent. And to recap, those three classes or divisions are the Russell class named after Bill Russell, uh, the Tracy McGrady class and the Kellogg class. And those are in descending order in terms of the teams, upper echelon being Bill Russell, obviously lower tier being the Kellogg class. Um, so without further ado, Mitch, um, we're going to dive into the Western conference. Um, do you have any final thoughts uh, before we get started here? Aaron? No, I really don't, but I'm so kind of last like what happened last episode, I kind of took the reins over talking about the Eastern Conference, it's a little bit more my specialty in a little bit. Uh, but Aaron Carter kind of owns the Western Conference between the two of us. Uh, he he definitely is the more knowledgeable about the two. So I'm going to actually hand over that. I, I'm going to hand over the reins to Aaron and kind of leading us through these different divisions. Uh, Aaron, kick us off. What teams are in our Bill Russell division? Yeah, I'm excited to share my thoughts on this. And glad we have a little specialization within this podcast. I mean, Mitch is a big Celtics fan, loves the East. I'm a big Nuggets fan, loves the West. So um, hopefully you get the best of both worlds, no matter what fan you are, what type of fan, what team you love. So um, hopefully you keep tuning in here and we give you all the different content you need. Um, Here in the Russell class, Mitch, and feel free, we can discuss this based on what you think as well. But I have three teams in this class right now uh, before the season kicks off. That would be the Western Conference defending champion, Phoenix Suns. Um, I do not want to hear any garbage talk that they are washed, that it was a fluke year, um, that Chris Paul is not a clutch player, any of that. They are back. They are in the Russell class. They will contend for a championship. We can get into more uh, details on all these teams, but that's that's one of my teams. The second will be the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, This is a pretty obvious one. Most everybody thinks they're you know, a shoe in for the NBA finals next year out of the West. Um, They essentially overhauled their entire roster. Um, So we're going to get into that as well. And then the last team uh, should be no surprise here, um, considering my fandom, the Denver Nuggets. Now, this third team is just sort of a question mark, in my opinion. In the West, I think it's two teams and then the rest of the league. Now, I think the Nuggets are the third best team in the league, in in the conference rather, when healthy. Now, I know they're missing Jamal Murray for a few months. I totally understand that. But as soon as, you know, Nikola Jokic was the MVP last year. And my theory is, if you have the MVP, you should be competing for a title every year. And especially once it comes playoff time, they're going to make the playoffs regardless of Jamal being there for three or four months. Um, And, you know, when he comes back, they're going to be able to compete. They damn near, um, you know, they beat the 
Portland Trailblazers last year in the playoffs. And they got swept by the Suns, but they were purely overmatched in that point in terms of injuries. But Michael Porter is going to take a big step this year. They have the reigning MVP. Uh, I see no reason why this team shouldn't be in the Russell class this year and for years to come. Now, Mitch, tell me I'm crazy. The Nuggets shouldn't be in here. Aaron, you're crazy. The Nuggets shouldn't be in there. And can I say one? And you brought him up. Michael Porter Jr. is your reason why he's not making, you're not making this Interesting. year. Because here's the deal. Talk about, we talked about it last podcast, COVID. COVID is what's going to play the major factor in this because he could miss out on some big games this year, Aaron. He won't be able to play in any of the games against the LA teams if he doesn't get his vaccine. And so it's just like he opens himself for a lot of different opportunities to like just not be able to play. And that's the same thing with like Kyrie Irving and and the other 5% of players who aren't uh, vaccinated. Uh, I just think that, you know, I, I totally agree with you. The Nuggets is such an – they are a great team. They actually kind of look great on paper, especially when Jamal Murray is healthy. I like their roster a lot. Um, but, man, it really it, – and it's just like how every other team is. It's really depending on how healthy you are. Because when have we seen a really healthy Will Barton for a while either? I mean, he, he was out for most of the playoffs last – I mean, the playoffs last year. And he didn't come back during the bubble – it's been just like really hit or miss with him. Um, but, you know, I think we kind of talked about it last episode too. There's some of these teams are just one piece away uh, as well from being like that top, like definitely competing. You need a backup point guard and it can't be Frank Compazzo being your backup point guard, Aaron. I, we both, we both Frank, have that discussion. Frank Compazzo, you mean Facundo Compazzo? I'm going to call him Frank, Aaron. That's just <laughs> what I'm going to go with. <laughs> Facu, baby. Facu. Whatever I, I, it sounds just about as close to whatever I want to say to him either right. way. But but he can't be what you want to rely on as a starting point guard. I I like Monte Morris, and it's who you're going to start off as your point guard throughout the rest of the year. I mean, probably start as your point guard. But yeah, I I I really hope that Faku Composo is not our starting point guard. I mean, if it means anything, in two K twenty two. I just shipped Faku Compazzo after two games of my season. I mean, he was just incredibly frustrating to play with. And that is exactly the type of player he is on the actual floor. I mean, he's, he's got the biggest little brother syndrome I've ever seen. Like he's just constantly getting in people's faces, fouling, just doing all the little things, which we love about him, but are also so annoying. He can't really shoot. He's a decent passer, but is the classic European, a little bit too flashy turnover sort of prone player. Um, And he's also like 40. So, I mean, how I keep forgetting how old he is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, I, I think he's like 33, um, not 40, but no, I mean, yeah, he's still I, pretty I old. no, um, he is crazy old, but I think, you know, before we get on to the other two teams in this, this class, I think the question is MPJ. Um, I think at this point, Jokic has received a lot of disrespect. Oh, um, yeah. I think a lot of people didn't think he should have been MVP last year, which I thought was a horrendously bad take. They're dumb. But, I mean, clearly the Nuggets are investing in MPJ, right? They signed him to an extension, five years, 200-plus million. Um, my biggest question is, obviously, you know, vaccine stuff aside, can he do more off the dribble? Um, all of last year, he was just catch and shoot, one or two dribble, fade away, mm-hmm. sort of had a tunnel vision. And I need to see him mature in this offense and sort of, you know, see the whole floor. Can he find somebody? Can he t- take somebody off the dribble and drive to the rack and get fouled? Getting him to the foul line would be great. And, you know, 
he's always been sort of an injury prone player. That's been right. the, the whole knock on him. It's why he fell to 14th to the nuggets. Right. And I'm really glad he did, but it's something I'm still concerned about. And it's something that's in the back of my head. And, but I do think for him to advance as a player, he needs more of that off the dribble, not just catch and shoot. It's impressive that every time he catches the ball and he's shooting over somebody, it doesn't look like he can make it. And he just nails the shot every time. I don't understand how he can do it. And he's so young, like that's super impressive. And I don't know if there's another player in the league that has that talent, but you know, the nuggets invested in him for a reason he needs to evolve. And I think if Jokic and him can hold down the ship, until Murray gets back. I mean, those three guys, I think, are, I'd argue, better, more cohesive at this point than the Lakers' big three. I would say they have more talent than the Suns' big three. Um, so, I mean, I, I I, think they have the sky's the limit here if they can get healthy and they can actually, you know, hold it down until Murray gets back. That's the biggest question. The other thing, but the only other issue is, I mean, you're asking a lot from your bench during that time, too. You're asking a lot from guys like Faku to do to do some work but I agree with you I I I like this Nuggets team I don't I personally don't have them in this Russell category there and that's fine we'll get to the I actually had three teams but it's not them um but I had the other two teams uh in it but Aaron what about let's talk about the other two teams that you kind of discussed let's talk about the uh, Phoenix Suns your top team that you had brought up yeah the Phoenix Suns I mean the Nuggets might be my favorite team, but the Suns are a close second. Um, right. <laughs> they were so fun to watch last year. And and my takeaway is um, this team will not surprise anybody this year, right? Um, they're expected to compete this year. Um, they swept in the bubble, right? Just missed the playoffs two years ago and then continued that momentum into this year. Chris Paul was a huge addition. Obviously, he took them to the next, next level. But I think the biggest thing they did this offseason, and yes, I know it's JaVale McGee, but getting another backup big man, you do not understand how important this was for the Suns team. Yep. I mean, if, if anybody watched the playoffs last year and the whole season, the backup behind DeAndre Eaton was a constant revolving door. Dario Sarge, I'm sorry, I love Dario. He's not a backup big. He's a basically <laughs> a backup wing. And he got hurt. And then it's like, we have nobody. We have to play Frank Kaminsky 10 minutes a game in the finals. So... I don't love JaVale. He sat on the Nuggets bench and didn't do anything in the playoffs for us last year. So clearly that says something about him, but at the very least, he has size. He can defend, he can block shots. He can spell Aiton for 15 minutes and at least have some impact on the defensive side of the ball. He can catch lobs from Chris Paul, which is huge. That's a big part of their offense. Um, so I think that's a big addition. Um, and I think, you know, just in general, some other additions, Alfred Payton, Landry Shamit. Um, I like Peyton because he gives the Suns another ball handling option outside of campaign. I like campaign. He did a great job last year, really excelling in that role, but he does get tunnel vision similar to Michael Porter. Like he makes a decision as soon as he gets the ball and he doesn't really think about anything else. He's either shooting a step back three, driving to the rim on an offhanded layup and missing by a mile. So I like Alfred Peyton as a backup option for them to kind of split that role. And I think Landry Shamet adds another shooter off the bench. He's also competent enough to play with the starters right. in the second or third quarter. He can move into different rotations. So him and Cam Johnson, Cam Johnson was great last year, going to take a step. Um, so I really like their additions. I don't think they really lost anybody either. You know, they retained Jay Crowder, which was huge, obviously re-signing Chris Paul. Um, so I, you know, I think this team should compete for a championship this year. They got the team chemistry. I like Monty Williams as a coach and they should be in the Eastern Conference finals again. 
uh, yeah, Western Conference Finals. Western yeah, Conference, I, yes. Um, I agree with you. And they also just have the ability to go big and small against just about anyone. I mean, you can throw Cam Johnson out there as your center whenever you need to if you're going to go five wide, especially against teams like the Nets, who are going to just try to, like, play you small most of the time anyways. Um, I agree. I mean, I like that they kept their core. They kept their same eight guys that they were playing uh, during, like, the NBA Finals, which is so – or seven guys during the NBA Finals – um, but you're right. I as much crap as JaVale McGee gets, he he will make an impact as a backup center. He's a better option than Frank the Tank Kaminsky. <laughs> and I just think that he is going to be better for them in that way. Um, you know, I also just think their starting lineup is a top five starting lineup in the NBA. I mean, it's just tough to compete with what they've got. I mean, you got Chris Paul, Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. I know people are really high on DeAndre Ayton, thinking he's a top 25 player. I don't think he's a top 25 player in the NBA. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's definitely recency bias when that all was happening. But yeah. I think you have two of the top 25 players in the NBA and Paul and Booker. Um, plus, you got Mikhail Bridges, who's a solid 3 and D guy. You got Jay Crowder. Whenever he's right, he's a solid 3 and D guy whenever he, again, is right. Um but, you know, I like that starting lineup a lot, and I definitely agree this team belongs in the Bill Russell division. Um, there's no doubt about that. And if you don't think if you don't think they belong there, you're crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I agree. This team is just so solid, and it, it makes sense why you put them there. Yeah, I think the biggest note here um, in terms of a negative that we haven't mentioned is the loss of Torrey Craig. Now, this is, again, maybe my Nuggets fandom getting involved here on being high on Torrey Craig, but he brings a lot to the team that is not on the stat sheet. Now, I'm not meaning P.J. Tucker scoring zero points. Like, he actually has a little bit more of an impact than that. I think he's actually a better defender. Um, And that's the biggest question here is off-the-bench defense. I mean, Landry Shamit and Alfred Payton are not good defenders. JaVale McGee's a good defender, but it's a completely different position. Um, so now you're really relying on Mikhail Bridges and Jay Crowder, who are both plus defenders, to play a lot of minutes in big games where they have key offensive stars on the other side of the ball. So I think that's going to be a quite big question mark. Maybe they make an in-season trade for someone, but I think that might be someone they might miss this year. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think they're just hoping for bigger improvements on defense from those those guards. I mean, I know Shamit's never been like a really solid defender, never really was with the Clippers or with a short time with the Nets. Um, but you got to just hope that, the, especially even last year, they were playing some defense by committee at that at points when there was Cam Johnson was on the floor, who's not a solid defender by any means either. Uh, he shows great moments of off the ball defense, but on the ball, he's definitely susceptible. Um, but yeah, I mean, this team is very solid all around. I mean, they they know. I mean, Chris Paul will whip him into shape and say, hey, here, we're going to play team defense and we're going to work as a cohesive unit. Um, but I, I I, truly believe this team will end up injuries aside. I think if if injury, if we were in a perfect world, injuries weren't a thing, I think this team would be the number one team in the Western Conference by uh, at the end of the year. I agree. Let's move on to my last team in this Russell class. And I know, Mitch, you have a different team for the Nuggets, so we'll get to that after this. But I know we do both agree on the Lakers here. So obviously the big um, offseason acquisition, Russell Westbrook, 
um, and Carmelo Anthony. I mean, if these guys were all together maybe three or four years ago, this uh, might be an unstoppable team. Ten uh, years ago, Aaron. Ten yeah. years ago, this team would be an unstoppable unit. <laughs> maybe ten. But even now, you know, who knows? But, you know, there's been a lot of jokes, a lot of memes out there about the age of this team. And I would just say, you know, past the age, I think my takeaway and my analysis of this is, the defensive side of the ball is going to be a bigger issue this year for the Lakers, but the veteran leadership and offensive firepower that they made through their acquisitions still makes this team the team to beat in the West. Now, Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, Rajon Rondo, all of those guys excel on the offensive side of the ball. Not all of them play great defense. Now, I think that's a big problem here. I think Balik Monk might have the biggest upside, maybe Rondo when it comes to the playoffs, but Mello and Russ really aren't um, playing great defense. Russ kind of just does his own thing, tries to make too many steals, gets out of position, doesn't play great team defense, and Mello is not a good defender, period. Um, now, they also lost Alex Caruso, KCP. They were two of their best defenders last year. Um, we mentioned that in the last podcast, if you tuned in, they also lost Montrez Harrell. Um, they also lost Cal Kuzma. Now they aren't going to miss Cal Kuzma, but I do think in general, those two defenders in Caruso and KCP will be missed. Um, now I might be a little bit more bullish on the Russell Westbrook edition than most people. I've seen a lot of criticism of that. Um, I think it's going to be great for them in the regular season. I think he's going to be able to spell LeBron and AD when they want to take a day off on a back-to-back, or they might even be playing, but just not as active as a role. Russell can drop 40 a night. He can sit back and facilitate, get 20 assists. He can mix and match. Um, you know, he's a chameleon. He can do whatever you need. And he also gives him an, a, a rebounder at the point guard position, which is cool. Um, so I think that helps. Um but, you know, Malik Monk is also a great addition, young addition, one of the only young additions they made. I think he's got a lot of upside and uh, could sort of put this team over the top when it comes to just a streaky player who can come off the bench, shoot some threes, play defense. Um, but, you know, the veteran leadership, they've all been there before. LeBron should be considered as one of the top players in the NBA every year. Everybody should think he's going to contend for a championship. And I think this is no different. I agree. Um the other one we uh, kind of didn't mention was uh, Kendrick Nunn. I like that. I like that pickup a little bit too. Uh, it's just another youth guy with Malik Monk. Um, it's just the thing that was what killed the Lakers last year. I mean, they didn't have a lot of like young blood to come off the bench and kind of just, you know, have that energy. I mean, that's what killed them last year. That's why they were so tired. They were so beat up. I mean, these guys have played. I mean, they last year. They, I mean, the year before they won the title, and then they were back in the season two months later, if not sooner. And so it's just like, man, you put a lot of miles on these guys so quickly. You needed to bring some young, good meat to say, run, run, kids, run, go. And so, like, I think that's what they they kind of picked up on a little bit. Uh, Taylor Horton Tucker is another young guy to like kind of play with them. Um, and Aaron, I'm very shocked that you're hyped up on this. I mean, a little more hyped up on the Russ trade than others. I agree with you that Russ is going to be a nice little energy, another energy boost uh, whenever AD and LeBron are down. Um, the issue with this team, man, is I can't see the shooting ever. The only guy I can see shooting is Malik Monk. And he's one streaky guy, and it just it hurts to watch sometimes. And so uh, – I mean, Melo has his moments too, um, but man, the shooting between all these guys is going to be just, I think, just rough because yeah. Russ shoots an abomination from three. LeBron is not the three-point shooter he once was. I mean, 
for be it to me to say LeBron's not a good three-point shooter. He's going to just shove it down my face this year and shoot 40% now. But, I mean, AD is not like your spot-up three-point shooter either. Yeah, I, I mean, know, I mean I'd, I'd argue that they at least stayed the course. Last year, they weren't a good three-point shooting team either. Right. Um, I mean, Melo shot 41% from deep last year. He sort of revitalized his career in Portland. Um, obviously he's not nearly the player he once was in Denver or New York for that matter. I mean, that's evident when you look at his free throws, like he's attempting two free throws a game. Now, when he was in Denver, he was getting like nine, 10 a game. Um, so he's just a completely different player sits in the corner, but he was shooting pretty well. I think in Portland for them in the playoffs, he knows the big moment. Um, you know, I think Wayne Ellington can shoot the ball. Um, I don't believe in Trevor Ariza. I think he was pretty washed last year in Miami, but Kent Bazemore shot it pretty well in, in Golden State, and they picked him up as well. So, you know, there are three above average shooters, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, that's really what you need around LeBron is shooters. Now, are they Kyle Korver? Are they James Jones? Are they Ray Allen? No. Are they Mike Miller? No. But, you know, it's what they got. Um, you know, there weren't a lot of options in free agency. I think Malik Monk was a great acquisition. The others, I think, will be able to hold course. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think once it comes to the playoffs, you're going to have bigger issues with Russell Westbrook and fitting inside of that offense. Um, I think in the regular season, as I said, I think he spells LeBron AD a bit more, but in the playoffs lanes get a little clunkier, um, you know, all of that. I just think it's going to be a bigger question mark then. Yeah, I agree with you. And, and that was what was so nice about having KCP during that playoff run two years, I mean, two seasons ago was, I mean, he kind of shot up out of nowhere and started making threes. Rajon Rondo turned into Ray Allen during the playoffs for a hot minute there and wasn't missing threes. Um, it's just, it's just going to be interesting. I, I like this team a lot and I think that they're going to be good. Uh, it's just, man, it, they're one question mark. They can, def- I feel like they got better defensively, um, especially if they move 80 to the five more often. I feel like that's just what's going to be important for them. If they move him to the five, I think they also have the opportunity to kind of play smaller with people and that's what's important. Uh, but man, that, that shooting, the outside shooting is just what's going to be the big question mark for me. Yeah, we shall see. Before we move on to the McGrady class, Mitch, I know you had a different team here in this Russell class out West. So I'll give you the floor here and I'll, I'll tell you why I think they're in the class below. I hope it's not too below, but I think I, I, I would like to think that you have them in this one. Uh, it's the Dallas Mavericks, um, Aaron. And I, for some reason, really like them this year. Um, Jack Pollard, best, I mean, one of our good friends from the show, former basketball player with us our freshman year, uh, has kind of, and it's kind of shown me the light a little bit, but I also, I also liked him before we talked. Luka Doncic is, you know, an incredible player, top 10 player in the NBA. There's no doubt about that. I also just like the moves that they made. I like the idea of signing Reggie, uh, Reggie Bullock this summer. It's just another shooter to surround, uh, um, surround Doncic. I don't know why. I don't know why I am. I just am. I like Frank Nielakina. I like him. I don't know why. It's just horrific, and I just. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I don't know if I have that answer either, Mitch. <laughs> I don't either. But the other guy I like, and my brother's going to love this, Moses Brown. I love Moses Brown. I wish the Celtics wouldn't have traded him, but we got, we got, uh, we got Josh Richardson in return for it. But Moses Brown is going to be a solid center for this this team especially if what I'm hearing is true, they're going to play KCP. I mean, not KCP, uh, 
Kristaps a little bit more at the four. That gives Dwight Powell a reason to start at center, and that gives Moses Brown the option, the opportunity to play a little bit more backup. Uh, but it does it does clunk up a lane a little bit more for them on defense. But man, that that will be their one downside is their defense. But it's like they are the Hawks of the Western Conference. It's like, hey, can you outscore us tonight? Then if you can, kudos to you. If you can't, this is why we're the better team. You know, it's it's funny you said the Mavericks. I thought you were going to say a different team, um, but I wrote down in my notes that they just missed the Russell class. Um, okay, cool. And, you know, my reasoning for them before I put them in the McGrady class was very similar to the Nuggets. And I think the Nuggets edged them because the whole deal was the best player in their team is an MVP caliber player. One of them's won the MVP and is proven in the playoffs. The other is not and is yet to come. Now, with those individual players, they should be contending for a title for the next five years, next mm-hmm. decade. So yeah. I think they will be in the Russell class, and I think they can take their team. The problem is I have more questions about the Mavericks than I do the Nuggets. I don't know if Jason Kidd's a good coach. He has Great a losing point. record. He has sub sub 500 record. I don't know how good Kristaps Porzingis is. Um, that's a that's a big question. I mean, he was uh, the what what do you call it? the unicorn in New York, and all of a sudden he went to Dallas, got hurt. Um, And then all of a sudden has not been the same player since now, is that the injury? Is that playing with Luca? We don't know, but it's a question unanswered. And, you know, I don't have those same questions about the nuggets, but totally see where you're coming from just because of the ceiling of Luka Doncic. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's definitely my main reasoning behind it. I mean, Luka Doncic is an incredible player. I mean, I'd say he, he's the best under 25 guy and right behind him, Jason Tatum. I feel like those are the top two under 25 guys in the NBA right now. And it's because Luka Doncic is ridiculous. I'd say he's proven a little bit in the playoffs due to his time in the bubble, whenever he beat the clip. I mean, he kind of beat up on the Clippers by himself whenever Kristaps was out. Um, but yeah, I mean, last year, kind of whenever it was Kawhi Leonard and Paul George said, decided to, you know, play a little bit more defense last year, it was just like, Hey, we'll, 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 we'll rough you up a little bit. Um, I also like Tim Hardaway Jr. a lot. I think he's very talented. And I think he's a great scorer for them, especially now that he's probably not going to be coming off the bench. Um, I like him starting for them. Um, I also like Jalen Brunson. He's just a yeah. he's a solid bench. I mean, bench point guard for them. But I also understand. I understand why you have him in the McGrady class. It's just the team I had instead of the Nuggets, who were on the top of my McGrady class. There we go. We just had those flip flops. So we have. You yeah. know, we're thinking thinking pretty similarly here. I think in terms of Luca. What I've seen so far is the question of can he make other players better? Yeah. Now, clearly the numbers are there in terms of assists. He moves the ball. Part of that's passing proactively. Part of that's double teams and reacting. Um, I just feel like whenever I watch them, it's a lot of standing around and watching what Luca does. That doesn't happen with the Nuggets. Like everybody is moving. Um, which I love. And, you know, maybe Jason Kidd changes up what Carlisle was doing carlisle's very centered around the point guard and just him you know sort of running the offense and it's just different with luca and they were limited when Kristaps is not really a one-on-one threat so if he can take the next step and other players they figure out a system that actually moves people rather than just stand and watch luca do magic um i think you know they they can be a lot better this year but they also got to just make it out of the first round they've looked great in the first couple games the first series and then they just fall so they need to make it out of the first round. Hopefully they don't play the Clippers um, and and we'll see. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's why I kind of compared it to the Hawks, honestly. They, yeah. Hawks do the same thing with Trey Young and 
they kind of improved on it a little bit after uh, after Nate McMillan took over. It was a lot less like standing around, but it still is Trey Young just dribbling around, and that's what Luca does too. But Aaron, let's let's move on. Let's move past the Russell category. Let's move on to the Tracy McGrady division. What do you, how many teams and what teams do you have in this division? Well, I have the Mavs, and we've already touched on them, but. I also have, let's see, six other teams in addition to the Mavericks. So we'll kick it off with the Utah Jazz, um, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Golden State Warriors, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Portland Trailblazers, and you're going to be surprised by this one, the Sacramento Kings. I'm not shocked, Aaron. I'm happy you put them in there because they are are my team every year. I'm like, hey, they might make the playoffs, but then they never do. But I'm ready to be disappointed by them again. I am big on the Kings. I was looking into the NBA.com power ratings and they're like second to last or third to last. Right. And I think they have a high ceiling, but um, in general, do you, do you have any differentiations there points of differentiation? So the only one that I am shocked made this list is the Pelicans. Um, I, we, we can talk about it later. I mean, once we get to, but actually let's just talk about it now. I mean, I let's think the it. Pelicans are a wild team. I, I have them at that edge of 50 feet of crap. I mean, they are, they are making no moves in my mind that seem like good in any move. I mean, any way, shape or form, I just am not high on them at all, but Aaron, tell me why the heck you like them. Yeah. I, you know, I'm with you. Nothing that they did in the off season was really <laughs> crazy. Um, so you're wondering, you know, Aaron, what are you thinking? I well, am. Zion Williamson might be the most impressive player in the NBA. He's an unstoppable force. Right. Like quite literally, you cannot stop this man when he's running toward the rim. I, I don't know it's if it might turn into the James Harden, Trey young situation where just the foul calls are ridiculous because he just straight up sprints into people and just throws the ball up and gets a foul call. But if he continues to, you know, get that call, he's going to get to the line 12 times a game. He's going to get 30 points, 15 rebounds. Um, I don't like the way the team's constructed in terms of the other center. I think that clogs up the lane a lot for Zion. They had Steven Adams there. They upgraded with Jonas Valanciunas. Valanciunas can space the floor a bit better than Steven Adams. He can shoot a bit mid-range, three-pointer. Um, but, it does, you know, it's the same root problem there. I just think with the, the ceiling of Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram's a really good scorer. If they can do anything on the defensive end and they didn't do anything on the defensive end last year, then I think they can at least be in the play in games and be on the, um, you know, the uh, fringe of the playoffs. I think they have the highest ceiling out of these lower level teams. Personally, I also think they have the lowest floor. And I also think, you know, getting rid of Stan Van Gundy is a positive. That was just an absolute dumpster fire. And now they're dealing with Willie Green, who's an unproven head coach. But, you know, hopefully he can bring in the player's perspective a little bit more <laughs> uh, recent perspective. I feel like Stan Van Gundy was out of touch. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Zion does here. If they can tune in on the end, uh, defensive end of the floor, if Brandon Ingram can actually stop whining and pretending he's the best player on the team. You're not. Um, and just give Zion the reins. They also need a point guard. That's my biggest question with them. Um, since they lost Lonzo, not really sure who they're going to replace him with. They picked up Devontae Graham, who's not a point guard. So we'll see what happens there. It might be just Zion Williamson bringing the ball up the floor and see how he develops as a passer. 
regardless, they're going to be interesting. Definitely a team to watch on League Pass, and I think they deserve the McGrady class and don't deserve the Kellogg class. So, Aaron, I have one question. What the heck makes you think that Ingram and Zion work well together in any shape or form? Because we we saw what happened at the end of last year. We saw how it went down. We saw that they fell apart. Of course, they beat the Celtics and won a heck of a comeback a game they had against us. But they, I, it's just so rough to watch. It's just like it's no fun because there is, it's it, it is literally just. And now that Lonzo's not there to make an entry pass, you're expecting. Devontae Graham or Thomas Sadoransky to make that entry pass into Zion Williamson to the post. I I agree with you at the fact that they might just need to run point Zion and say everyone yeah. clear out. And I think me, they do. Yeah, that's that's the, that's got to be the move. And I, I that's the only upside I see to this team. They they'll need to make a move to get a guard because it can't be Nikhil Alexander Walker and Devontae Graham as your starters. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think it just all boils down to Brandon Ingram. I think Zion Williamson's proven himself as a, a tier above Brandon Ingram. Brandon yeah. Ingram's still a really good scorer, but I think he's, in my mind, sort of hit his cap. Like he's going to be a 22, 23 point a night scorer on a, on a bad team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if he accepts his role and can space the floor, do ISO here and there, but if they can move the ball a bit better and maybe that comes with Zion just having the threat as a point guard driving, pick and roll with him and Valanciunas, um, and Ingram in the corner on the wing, I think that could work. Um, lots of question marks here, but I just put them here purely for potential, and they're going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I agree with you. But, you know, we one common thing we both had between our Eastern Western Conference team is that the number one seeds of last year's Western Conference is in this McGrady uh, division. Aaron, we're both not high on the Utah Jazz. We are not. Um, simply, I don't believe in this team. Especially, especially come playoff team, uh, playoff time. I mean, they very well could win their division again over the Nuggets just with Murray being hurt for most of this year. And they very well could be the number one seed again. Um, I, I don't think that changes anything uh, on, on why they fall in the second tier. Um, when it's, you know, after this season, it might be time to reconstruct this team or find a different coach. My biggest question is Quinn Snyder, Mark Jackson, and do they need a Steve Kerr? Because I think he's really built up this team with Donovan Mitchell. He's developed a culture. He's made them competitive. I don't think they're going to be able to get over the hump. Now, I don't know if that's a Quinn Snyder thing or if that's just a team composition thing. That's a question that we need to answer. But at the bottom of, bottom of line here, they have not made the conference finals. And they've choked big leads in series. And part of that's, you know, the narrative coming from the coach. Um, And I think Donovan Mitchell's a great player. This is no knock on him. But I think there are big question marks when it comes to Rudy Gobert. He's a liability offensively. And when you get into the playoffs, he can't score unless it's a lob or an offensive rebound putback. So that's a big problem. And I don't necessarily trust Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich in crunch time either. I think they're good players. They're fun players. Um, you know, good for the culture. They seem to blend well together, but I don't think they're good enough to beat the Lakers, Nuggets, Mavs, Suns, any of those teams. And so I think it's just meaningless for all this hype as a number one seed. Um, and I don't see them ever winning an NBA finals um, with this roster they currently have. Aaron, do you know who the backup center is for uh, Rudy Gobert? I know it's no longer Derek Favors and I'm happy about that. It's Hassan Whiteside. Oh boy. <laughs> and 
they are literally the same player as on my side, just a little, little, maybe it's the same height, just a little larger human being and a little slower human being. If that's oh, saying boy. anything about Rudy Gobert, um, I'm with you. I don't, but I, I'm a little less on the Quinn Snyder being the issue of it. I like the comparison of it being kind of like a Mark Jackson and they just need their next step. Um, and just need their next big name coach. Um, but man, I am fully on the fact that it's a small market team and they just can't like attract big names to them. I mean, they got Mike Conley cool, but Mike Conley is on the downwards. I mean, he's headed on the downhill of his career. Uh, definitely not near the prime. Um, I'm surprised that, uh, you know, that they've kind of kept Bogdanovich as long as they have. I think he's a good scorer and you're right. He hasn't really proved himself in the playoffs. He kind of, he was hurt during the bubble season and that kind of ruined them there. Um, I like their pickups that they made for the wings. I like Rudy. I like their idea of Rudy Gay. I like the idea. I want to just clarify. I like the idea. I don't like him actually. I like the idea of him playing there. I also like Eric Pascal. He's a young, young guy. I liked him when he was on the Warriors whenever they were really just going through the ring of it uh, two years ago when they had no Curry or Clay or Draymond for a hot minute there. Um, and I like Jordan Clarkson, MIZ. So, I mean, we just got right. – I think this team has the – it is the true definition of a regular season team with no postseason uh, ventures after that. Yep, I agree, and I just think there's a weird, a weird culture there right now. Like it's 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 positive, but it's it's kind of like they have an expectation on themselves that nobody else does, and then they just like psych themselves out when they get up. I mean, in the bubble, they were up three one in the Nuggets, and the Nuggets looked terrible in games two three and four i mean terrible i didn't i thought we were going to lose game five by like 50 Mm -hmm. and we won three in a row obviously came back three one again on the clippers but they blew another lead this year to the the clippers in the playoffs they were up two to zero and donovan mitchell had a little injury i'm not sure how serious that was he played pretty well after that still but they lost four straight and you have clippers team that didn't have Kawhi. Well, I think they had Kawhi, but he he didn't he got hurt toward the end of that series, You're right. right? You're right. And then didn't play in the conference finals. But regardless, Donovan Mitchell's a great player, but they I don't see them getting over the hump. And this weird mental like choking big leads in the playoffs, I don't know if they can get by that. And at the end of the day, I think that lies at the feet of Quinn Schneider. Yeah. And you know, we'll see what happens, but I don't see this team as a Russell team at all. I agree with you. And I, I think it's, you kind of see it with their past history with, like you said, the past few years with this Donna, with Donovan Mitchell, I think Donovan Mitchell is by far their best player without a doubt. And I think, and I think you might have to make a move, whether it's with moving Conley, whether it's moving Gobert, I think you kind of got to get a different feel for this team. It might, I don't think you got to go the, through the full rebuild of it. I think you got to right. make just a major, a major move just to kind of make things interesting. And maybe it's this year, maybe they kind of like kind of figure it out that way they can go into next year um, with Mitchell signing there, the, his max um, two years ago, I think, or last year. Um, I think it, it certifies the idea that they kind of need to kind of focus on, Hey, what are we going to do for this guy? Um, but yeah, I I'm with you that uh, the jazz belong in this position in this, this division, um, what about, let's talk about another team in this division, Aaron, what, are, what are your thoughts on the Clippers? Uh, and you, I know you had said them earlier on in this division. What do you think about this Clippers team? Yeah. I mean, I think with a healthy Kawhi, this team may be the second best team in the West, mm-hmm. but they don't have Kawhi this year, more than likely. I'd, I'd find it very hard to believe he comes back at all. 
they'll probably be cautious. I mean, they re-signed him, right, for four years, 176 mil. So they're playing the long game here. They're not going to go for a championship this year. Um, you know, this may just be a middle-of-the-pack team. Paul George does have the opportunity to silence his doubters. I think he sort of did last year mm-hmm. um, in the playoffs. But, um, you know, he can continue that this year with a good performance. I also think that they have a positive um, locker room vibe right now. I mean, a, a lot of folks during that first series against the Mavs were like, oh, my gosh, the Clippers have to blow it up. Like, they're down 2-0. to zero. What are they going to do with Kawhi? Is he already gone? Is, is Paul George going to be shipped off? All these questions. And then they came back. They came back against the Jazz. They put up a little bit of a fight against the Suns without Kawhi. So I kind of like what Ty Lue's building there. Um, I don't love their offseason acquisitions. They basically stayed, stayed the same. They've lost both of their point guards of last year with Rondo and Patrick Beverly, brought in Bledsoe, kept Reggie Jackson. Um, so I don't love Eric Bledsoe personally, but he's sort of a stopgap guy. He can give you 15 points, which might help with Kawhi out. Um, I don't see this team as, you know, sniffing the conference finals this year. They'll probably make the playoffs, maybe a six seed, five seed. I sort of see that as their limit though. I agree with you. I think they're, I think their ceilings of four seed if they just get hot at the right time and they just get the nice, a good streak going there, but I'm with you. I think, I think their spot is perfectly at like the five or six seed. Um, I'm, I'm also with you. I didn't like Eric Bledsoe, but I understand why they had to do it. They kind of like, kind of got to keep Paul George, like, moving in the right direction give them guys to kind of work with because Reggie Jackson kind of proved himself in the playoffs last year he kind of showed what he was made of he kind of showed that hey what I was saying 10 years ago when I was on the or six years ago when I was on the thunder is actually kind of true and I kind of proved myself even though he didn't do it in the Pistons but I mean he showed up in the right moment at the right time and um I like Terrence Mann everyone loves Terrence Mann after this playoffs um Luke Kennard uh, did some things a thing or two in the playoffs and showed that he that's why they're paying him the 24 million or whatever they're paying him ridiculous amounts of dollars and cents um and I don't but yeah I don't like the Justice Winslow or the Harry Giles pickups I think they're both guys who man they had such high potential when they were drafted but man they haven't showed a lick of it since they've been in the league um man they're just such a they are literally we have eight guys and we're going to really hope the other six, I mean, the other three, four guys that we have on our team kind of just fill in whatever they can. Um, and you also got to, it's the same thing every year. Is Serge Ibaka going to like play more than 30 games this year? And if he's not, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. So, You're spot on there. Yeah. So, all right. And then Aaron, let's, let's talk about what's another team you would like to discuss during this good old McGrady division. Yeah. Um, well, we already touched on the Pelicans. Um, I think the Warriors are kind of a team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of pundits here sort of shooing this team back into contention. I think both of us are being a little hesitant about that. Um, you know, obviously the bones are there. Same coach, same stars. Draymond is not the guy he once was. So let's just put it that way. Um, and personally, I need to see a healthy, sharp Clay Thompson back on the floor before I can buy into this team. Um, Curry had an MVP worthy season last year. I mean, third in MVP voting, um, arguably could have won it if Jokic didn't have the season he had, um, averaged a career high in points, 42% from three point range, but they didn't really improve that much around him. Like it's sort of the same team. Um, when Clay is not on the floor, I mean, they added Otto Porter. I do kind of like that addition. If he can stay healthy, he played three games last year. 
um, hasn't played a, a full season, I think, since like 2017, 2018. Yeah. Um, you know, they brought back Iguodala. That's great for the culture, but not sure how much he has left in the tank. Not sure how much their draft picks can help them. I thought they were going to go more with Davion Mitchell in the draft um, rather than a, more of a long-term project in Kaminga or Moses Moody. Um, you know, I think those guys have tremendous upside and I think they're in the right place with like a dream on green Steph Curry type of leader to sort of show them through the NBA. I think they're in the great, a perfect place for a, a young player who's trying to figure out his role. Um, but I, I don't really see them adding much this year unless it's on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so, you know, I, I think this team is a middle of the pack team until I see otherwise, if Clay Thompson's healthy, they have a much higher ceiling and could compete. But I think the Draymond Green limitations on offense are still a big problem. Um, you know, he gives you a lot of leadership, gives you a lot of defense, but I think that's a big question. And what are we going to get from Andrew Wiggins? You know, uh, if he's good, huh. he's good. That That's a huge addition. But I think that's a big, big question mark. Uh, I, I agree with everything you just said. Um, Draymond's not the player he is. James Wiseman is the X factor to, to this team for me. Man, I don't know if you can keep starting Kevon Looney and and him being just he he's just no I'm not I'm not on Kevon Looney anymore I I do I am very optimistic about James Wiseman's abilities I am very high on the idea of him Cole Setline friend of the show loves 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 the Warriors in every sort of way impossible um, I also am a little different though with you on their draft picks. I liked Moses Moody out of the draft. I was really thinking, you know, whoever gets stuck with him really isn't getting stuck with him. They're getting a great guy who can play on both sides of the ball. Um, and I think that, you know, given the opportunity to play with Steph Curry, gives him the opportunity to like get more open shots rather than what other teams were going to give him the opportunity to do rather than, he's not going to be running the offense by any means because he's got Jordan Poole and Steph Curry to do that for him. So he's just going to be the secondary guy and say, Hey, I'm ready for it. Whatever the second, the secondary defender is just going to be guarding me. Um, so I like that. I like the auto Porter pickup, uh, especially whenever uh, Clay Thompson comes back and you can move Porter to like kind of the bench kind of role. Uh, if whenever, if Clay Thompson is the guy he once was, um, I like Otto Porter coming off the bench and kind of being your sixth man off the bench to kind of fill in the role. And they can go small. I know Draymond isn't the offensive player he is, but he's still the defensive guru he once was and still is that guy. And you can go small with him uh, as your center and you can go Porter at the four. Um, I like it's. I like this team's mobility and I like it's just flexibility to play in different ways. Um, and Steph Curry proved last year he still hasn't lost a step and he's still, he's still the best shooter of all time. And it's without a doubt. So I I think this team is set to be a great four or five seed. Nothing better and very little worse. I think yeah. they still are in the playoffs. I'm just I'm just curious, like how much better can Steph play? You're right. I mean, I think that might have been the best I've ever seen him. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, and and part of that was because there wasn't the talent around him, obviously. And he was forced to do that. But the fact that he was able to navigate like double teams, triple teams and put up 40 a night anyways was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I just wonder if he can repeat that. Obviously we still have the lingering injury concerns in the backdrop. Like don't want to speak that into existence by any means, but that's still a concern on terms of just his usage on back-to-back -back seasons. Um, I just don't understand why some people are automatically saying they're back. Like 
Warriors are going to contend for a title. Like, I don't think that's true. They have a lot to prove. I think they improved slightly in the offseason, but it's largely the same team that was there last year. Still a question mark around Clay and lots of young players that have yet to prove themselves. So I think Steve Kerr is a good coach. He should be able to right the ship um, and, you know, improve this team back to where it was. But in terms of beating the Lakers, in terms of beating the Suns, Mavs, Nuggets, I don't know if they're there yet. Gotcha. Aaron, remind me. Why do we have the uh, Sacramento Kings in this uh, division here? Because I want to hear your thoughts because I have my thoughts, but I want to hear why the great Aaron Carter has the Sacramento Kings cracking in the uh, Tracy McGrady division. Oh, yeah. This team could be frisky. Um, Frisky. (laughs) They have a lot of scoring talent and athleticism on this team. Now, Mm. it's a big question mark still with this Mm. team on if they can play any sort of defense massive Um, question mark on that one i mean they were last in the league and by a large margin i think they were (laughs) over over a point more per 100 possessions or per possession allowed than the second to worst team which was the blazers right um which just isn't good but just you know word of the wise that's not good um but I like the pickup of Davion Mitchell in the draft and they just have so much talent at the guard position. I think everybody was expecting them to make a trade, trade uh, Buddy Heald, trade De'Aaron Fox, but they have all those guys now. Now how they fit the pieces together, good luck, Luke Walton, but he has a lot of talent and I like Tyrese Halliburton a lot as well. The biggest question is obviously the defense, as we said, but also the big, uh, big men, right? Um, you know, I think that, um, Rashawn Holmes is a really good player. He really sort of showed out last year, career high in points per game at 14.2. He always has this little mid-range floater from like five to 10 feet. That's just always money. I it's don't ugly. understand. It's ugly, Aaron, but it it's works. hideous. It's hideous. Um, my friend Kaz is like five foot two has the same exact shot, but this guy's <laughs> just like six foot 10. So, um, I mean, I really like him and I think they have a lot of depth there as well. They added Alex Lynn added Tristan Thompson. Um, and I don't, I don't love either of those guys. Why are we calling them depth then? Why are we calling Alex Led depth? They're bodies. They're purely <laughs> bodies. And don't forget, they still have the number two overall draft pick a couple years ago in Marvin Bagley. Now, am I a Marvin Bagley believer? Not necessarily, but do I think he has potential still? Yes. Don't write him off. I mean, could he actually be good if the guards are taking most of the scoring and he does a little pick and roll dunk, Um, any of that sort of stuff. If he can rebound, play defense, I think he has that potential. So um, I also like uh, Keita, Nemus Keita out of Utah State. He's a big shot blocker. I think he led the NCAA in shot blocks last year. Um, So I think that's going to be great on the defensive end. If he can somehow find minutes and Luke Walton doesn't get obsessed with playing Tristan Thompson 25 minutes a game. Um, I have hope for this team. I mean, it may be another Atlanta Hawks scenario, as we said last episode of, you know, they need to score 120 points or they're not going to win. But I think this team is a high upside if they can figure it out on the offensive side of the ball. Aaron, it's, it's just so funny because I literally love this team on 2K every time. Because, oh, yeah. I mean, Darren Fox is ridiculously fast and it's just unbeatable, like, to stop him. Buddy Field is money. Uh, I like Harrison Barnes a lot. I was really hoping the Celtics would go after and get him. Um you might not be a Bagley believer, but I semi am a Bagley believer and I hate that about myself, but it's just like Bagley, 
But then again, I have never seen Bagley do anything. Like, even when he was at Duke, he didn't even do anything. So it's just like I'm sitting around playing and doing, watching nothing. It's just like, all right, you're going to get hurt here? Cool. Thanks, man. Um, so it's just I, I want to believe in this team, Aaron. I want to. But, man, it's – and I have every time – and it just hurts me every time. When do you know the last time the Kings made the playoffs, Aaron? Um, I can say for certain they made it in like 2001, but I don't know if they made it any time uh, after then. Aaron, their last playoff appearance was 2006. Oh, not too far after. Who did they have? Like Mike Bibby still? It was still Mike Bibby, and it was still uh, they had Bonzi Wells. Okay. Um, but it was I think that was the year after Chris Weber left. And he might have been on the – no, Weber had to have been there. Still been there. But it doesn't matter. They haven't been there, Aaron, in 15 years. It's they're been, due. They're, they are due. And that's why I keep believing them. And whatever their uh, whatever their bet is on FanDuel or whatever – whatever uh, what is it? River – Points River? What do you use? <laughs> oh, there's Points Bet and Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers. There we go. Whatever the Bet Rivers is on the Kings t- making the playoffs, bet it, Aaron. Do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're totally going to get to some best bets in a few episodes here. Um, right. And th- they very well might be on the list. I mean, their value has got to be insane. Some are projecting them to be a bottom three team. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think once you get to like the seven through 10 in the West, it's really malleable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anybody can beat anybody in that, in that set. And I think it sounds like we're a little bit lower in some other teams here that made the playoffs last year. Um, you know, I know we both put the Portland trailblazers in here personally, right? I'm not a huge fan of the trailblazers at this point. I love their new head coach and Chauncey Billups. Um, big fan of Billups, obviously a Nuggets fan I actually got the chance to meet him. Oh, got a signed Jersey. Okay. <laughs> I, know, I, I, I know nobody cares, but I love Chauncey Billups. You've hit the moment. Um, <laughs> But anyways, I mean, I mean, I, I think everybody knows what the Blazers are like. They're going to make it in the first round and they're going to lose as a six seed every single year. Yeah. It's just it's just who they are. Aaron, the addition of Tony Snell is a big thing for them, man. It's just it's ridi- I can't say that with a straight face. That's so <laughs> bad. They are literally the same team every year. They're another team. They're like the Jazz. They just need to make some move that is just astronomical and changes everything for them, whether it's trading Dame and getting Ben Simmons or CJ and getting Ben Simmons. It's just a, it's just something that needs to happen. I can't sit here and watch them be the sixth seed again just to get knocked out again. It's just – it's horrendous every time. Well, and they should have beaten the Nuggets last year. I mean – Definitely should have. The Nuggets sorry, were, they should have. They – I mean, I honestly bet on the bet on the uh, Trailblazers in that series, and I, I lost money betting against my Denver Nuggets, which I ended up making it back on individual games because I saw that the Blazers were just horrendous. I mean, the they Tell played no defense. Over. Oh yeah, I mean overs were were cash every single time. But the 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 biggest thing for me is, and I think this has always been an issue for them, besides the ob- obvious defensive issues, is their big men and Nurkic. If he gets in foul trouble, they have no answer. And what did they do? They got rid of Zach Collins. They got rid of Enos Cantor. They were their two backup big men, albeit Collins didn't play because he was always hurt. Who did they replace him with? Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller is not the answer. No. I I was screaming that from Willis Tower in Chicago. (laughs) Cody Zeller is not the answer. Um, If Nurkic gets hurt, which he's very prone to do, if he gets in foul trouble, which he's very prone to do, the Blazers have the same old issues. And when they're going up against teams with good bigs, like the Nuggets, like the Jazz, like the Lakers, they they don't stand a chance. Yeah, I agree. 
Well, we've kind of been harping on some other, some of the teams. Aaron, what are your you have any uh, other teams? Any final thoughts you want to kind of hit about this Trace McGrady section? I think there's those are all the teams I had. Um, Mitch, did you deviate at all from the teams besides the Mavericks Nuggets swap? You know, I I debated one team very much, and it it it, it pains me because they were just fun and frisky and just blue collar to watch. It's the Memphis Grizzlies, and like right. But though I think the swap of Steven Adams and Jonas Valanciunas is just such a big difference. And and whether or not you want to say it's because you want to kind of give Jaron Jackson more of the outside, like give him the opportunity to grow. And Valanciunas definitely would like hinder that a little bit. It just it just seems like it was a step back. And I I, I want to be wrong because I like Ja and I like J I like Triple J. Um, we both have a disdain for uh, their two guard and Dylan Brooks. We just don't like him definitely major douche and just reads off very much of a frat boy vibe that we just don't live with. So it's just, I don't know. I, I but I I've stuck them in the, the Clark Kellogg category at the end of it all. So yeah, that's, there, there we go. I, as do I, I felt a little guilty doing it, but let's just move on to the Kellogg class. I also have the Grizzlies there. Um, you know, they made the playoffs. They actually won a couple games, at least one, I know against the jazz last mm-hmm. year in the playoffs. Game um, one. They had to sneak in, though. I mean, they were in the playing game, and I'd argue they got worse this year. So if they're in the playing game, barely getting into the playoffs, and they got worse, um, I don't yeah. think they're going to be very good. So they lost Jonas Valanciunas, as you said, replaced him with Steven Adams. I don't know what they were doing in the draft. They traded away their pick in the in the first round, and then they drafted B.J. Boston out of Kentucky. I'm not sure why they thought that was a good pick. I mean, maybe he'll be good. Um, I, I think they have a good core with Morant and Dylan Brooks. I just think they have a very clear ceiling and they didn't get any better. So I, you know, I think they're a grit and grind type of team. They play decent defense. They, they rely a lot on ISO ball as well. Jaron Jackson's got to take the next step, as you said, and maybe with Valanciunas out of town, he'll have the potential to do that, but I'm not super high on this team. And I'd be surprised if they even sniffed 500. Yeah. I think we were both hitting on the right hitting the nail on the head here i think their ceiling is literally the play-in tournament and that's just really yeah. that's as far as i think they can get i mean as high as i think they can get um but yeah i think it's just it's a wash already and we're i can't believe we're already saying that and it definitely feels bad just saying about it like that but man i, I don't i definitely think they took a step back like we both have said uh but and as much as crap as it gets, Grace Allen definitely helped out this team a little bit. I mean, now you're starting, now your backup is Tyus Jones. And don't get me wrong, he just, he had his moments in Minnesota, but like, it's not like he's right. going to be any star by any means. Yeah. I mean, and, and you were talking about Dylan Brooks being a, a douche frat boy. I mean, nobody epitomizes that more than Grace and Allen. So at right. least in, at least in your sake of hating the Grizzlies. Uh, maybe you hate them a little bit less this year, but I, I think in terms of watching them, they're not going to be fun. Um, don't. In terms of filling out the rest of the Kellogg class, I had four other teams here, the rest of the four teams that we have not mentioned. So um, if you're a fan of one of these teams, sorry, but you probably knew you were going to be here anyways. Um, that's the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Houston Rockets, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the San Antonio Spurs. Um, Mitch, not sure if you want to start anywhere here, but maybe we'll start with the Thunder. 
um, friend, brother of the show, Evan Sell. I'm sorry. At least we're not saving this one till last. I don't yeah. think they'll be the worst team in the in the West. Maybe that's maybe that's a consolation prize. I know you probably know the Thunder are not going to make the playoffs. Mitch, why are they not going to make the playoffs? Because they have no one outside SGA. <laughs> I mean, I, I I like Lou Dort. I like him. I like him. He's shot and and I think he just was a good player on a bad team last year and just like had the time to just like show up and do his thing. They are just not good. And it just sucks to say that. Ev, I love you, but man, when you got Poku is your starting three, it's just ugly. And, and we I I've come around and not like the Josh Giddy pick. I was just Me really too. confused by it. Um, I it may be the fact that he could be another ball handler for SGA, but and it's just this weird and stinking, just stinky. And also yeah. Moses, the I think giving up Moses Brown was a little bit of a. It, it was definitely an issue, and I don't think they should have done it. Uh, I think he was just a solid big man, and he got the minutes. And I think that they gave him the opportunity to grow and kind of show off. And I think he could have been doing that again this year, but it's just. It just is what it is, and it it wasn't in the cards for them this year. But yeah, I they last year they had their first key moments, especially early on when SGA was doing his thing. But man, I it's just rough to watch, and I I I will be watching games this. I will be watching Thunder games this year just because out of respect for my brother. But man, it, it, their starting lineup is just something ugly to look at, and I and I hate it. Do you know? Uh, speaking of Moses Brown, do you know who they replaced him with? Our favorite player, Aaron. Our favorite player, Derek Favors. Derek Favors. Um, very much of that, a uh, very much of a sarcastic comment there, but <laughs> that sums up my thoughts in this game. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to end it there. Um, okay, cool. Derek, I wish you the best, but man, holy cow! Um, right. Just what a quick about- point on some of the other teams, Mitch. Um, let's just run down the list here in terms of Minnesota. Um, you know, I think Minnesota maybe is an upper tier of of the Western Kellogg class. I think, you know, they showed some good potential toward the end of last year. They were winning some games when they didn't need to win games. Anthony Edwards played really well. Um, you know, I think Cat could carry this team to be frisky toward the play-in tournament, but he's really going to need to carry them. I'm not sold on the composition of this team, not sold on the coach. They fired their coach mid-year last year. Um, lost Ricky Rubio added Patrick Beverly and Torian Prince. Not sure why, just sort of seems like veteran ads um, for absolutely no reason. Um, So, you know, I don't think we have to say much else on this team, but I think Cat could, you know, put up some big numbers this year and maybe win some big games. I don't think they'll be terrible, but, um, you know, I think the scoring output that they could have with Anthony Edwards, um, Cat, D'Angelo Russell, um, those types of guys um, could be pretty good, but not sure what they're going to do otherwise. I think this team is a – I like – their starting lineup is, is pretty to look at. Russell, Malik Beasley, Edwards, and Cat. J.D. McDaniels means nothing to me right now unless he can do something. Their bench is ugly. Oh, it's just horrendous to look at. Um, I don't like Josh Akogi. I know people I, – I know he's just a fun energy guy that people like. I don't like Jared Vanderbilt. I know he's a former Nugget. I apologize. But he's just never was high on my list. Nas Reed is okay. 
just strictly okay. Like nothing higher than a C plus there. And Patrick Beverly is just going to be the meathead on this team and just say, Hey, I'm going to, he's going to try to, what's going to happen here. I'm predicting it out. Patrick Beverly is going to try to piss off cat one, one too many times. Oh, yeah. and it's just not going to end well because Patrick a, Beverly is going to be traded off in the next two seconds after that. There are big culture questions here. Oh, <laughs> major. Especially in a season where people are going to be pointing fingers about mm-hmm. vaccinations and other things like, when it comes down to basketball uh, egos, <laughs> Patrick Beverly does not necessarily work well with a soft Carl Anthony Towns. So and we shouldn't, we really shouldn't call cat soft. It's just the, uh, it's just the fact that, you know, we, we know what the kind of guy Patrick Beverly is. And it's just right. more so the fact that they're definitely two different kind of personalities. And so I, I'm not a Patrick Beverly uh, fan by any means. And Me I don't think many people are. Yeah. We will definitely get to some Patrick Beverly stuff uh, later in the year once we see him, uh, quote unquote, play good defense when he's really just fouling everyone. But that's a that's a conversation for another time. Um, Let's just touch on the the Rockets here. I know we had a lot of, you know, intrigue around the rookies in the Eastern Conference. I don't think there are as many interesting ones out West, but one is here in Houston and Jalen Green. Um, They also have a few others in Garuba and Shangun. I think, you know pretty good draft yeah. from the Houston Rockets. I'm, I'm a big fan of their draft. Will they do anything this year? I don't think so, but I think they're built better for the future than a lot of these young teams. And they have a lot of question marks in terms of what do they do with John Wall? Um, what do they do with Christian Wood? Those types of players. But I think in terms of the young core, um, they should be built for a couple of years here. If they can figure out their coaching and figure out their roster development in terms of veterans and how you surround those young players. I think they could be good in a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking about this right now, Aaron, I'm going to throw a trade idea, you know, here we um, go. What do you think of John Wall and the Timberwolves? For whom? Would well, it has to be, well, so of course, then, then you have to get Russell on your team, which sucks for the Rockets, but like think about it from the Timberwolves perspective, you're getting a, a facilitator an actual facilitator you're getting and i'm sure you'll have to throw like it probably got to be russell and probably like either van and gender jared vanderbilt yeah the biggest thing's the cap because john wall is getting paid like 40 million a year i, I yeah i need to look up what d uh is getting paid but like it, I feel like that wouldn't be bad for the Timberwolves. It's just it also gives yeah. Wall another chance to like run an offense because it seems like the Rockets are kind of going with the idea of like Kevin Porter Jr. is going to kind of be their point guard and Jalen Green's going to be they're going to run this the young guard set. Um, they're a yeah. very young team, and they got the former Celtic Daniel Tice on their team, which I I'm not going to say anything about Daniel Tice. That's mean. Um, <laughs> I, that's mean. I could never talk about how bad of a of a of just a fowler he is. And every five seconds, I just have to yell at the TV. But you know, I would never say anything like that. Um, I I do. I love their draft. I liked Garuba. I like Shangun for them. It was outside of the green pick. I think that's just perfect what they're trying to do. Um, they're definitely going to move Eric Gordon and try to move John Wall as well. I think that's just been something that's been reported about John Wall. They're trying to move him. Um, but this team is young. They're going to be good. They're going to have moments where they look really pretty and they're going to have a lot of moments where they look like, what the heck are we doing out here? Um, they definitely fit this category of being the Clark Kellogg. They definitely fit the category of, um, we're 50 feet of crap under the 50 feet of crap here. So I agree with you. Um, 
it's just there there's a lot of questions of what they're going to do and you know if they can kind of uh kind of calculate what they're going to do with john wall and eric gordon they might make the right they might end up making the right moves to just plan for the future and just like continue to rebuild this young core i agree save as much cap as you can too because Houston's not necessarily a bad destination. Nope. If you can build a young core, I mean, James Harden was happy there for a while. I mean, they got Chris Paul, um, you know, Russell Westbrook was there at some point. I mean, I know they made those trades and they're not free agent acquisitions, but right. at the very least, those guys seem fine there. Houston's a relatively big market. I think you could, you know, lure some free agents there in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I think the Houston Rockets could be interesting game to game, but you know, few years down the road here for sure. Absolutely. The last team that we have not talked about in the entire NBA, and you wonder why they might be the least exciting team in terms of their roster composition, but you wouldn't have thought that if you would have known basketball a couple years ago because they're the San Antonio Spurs. They have been a dynasty for years on end. Greg Popovich is still the head coach, but they might be the worst team in the Western Conference this year. Um, just looking at their roster, I mean, it's purely uninspiring. They lost, <laughs> they lost DeMar DeRozan, who was the only guy actually scoring for them last year. I like some of their young guards and pieces, but man, I am going to be shocked if they win more than 30 games this year. Mitch, what do you think about the Spurs? Man, Aaron, you could not have put it up perfectly. The, the only, only sort of upside that they, they did this year was kind of, kind of improve their bench by adding a uh, Thad Young. Uh, I liked, I thought, you know, he tried to go for a contender or try to be a part of a contending team. Cause he kind of showed up for the bulls last year and was, I feel like a, one of their better players last year. Um, that, that, but Aaron, this is how boring they are. They're so boring. They brought back Bryn Forbes. <laughs> they were like, Hey man, you were on the championship team last year. Let's bring that championship mentality back to San Antonio with, the 10th man of the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, it's just, yeah. They, I, I, I agree with you. I like DeJounte Murray. I like Derek White in, yeah. in pieces. DeJounte Murray has his moments where I'm like, can you take a jump shot or, or are you just going right. to go to the rim every time? But I, I agree with you. They are the most boring team to watch right now in the NBA. Uh, I will be shocked if I be proven, if I'm proven wrong. The Magic might be up there too. Um, but I think that those two teams are going to be competing for the most boring teams to watch in the NBA. I agree. I mean, losing Patty Mills is also a big thing. I mean, mm-hmm. he's been a player there for so long that has given them energy and scoring off of the bench. Um, Rudy Gay, you know, was there for a couple of years, played really well. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm really sad for Pop. Um, I mean, he's one of the best coaches in NBA history, and he's probably going to retire in a few years, and he's going to have to suffer through his <laughs> couple last years here. Right. The front office hasn't done him any favors. I'm, I'm really concerned and confused on where – R.C. Buford is taking this franchise. I mean, he was the model for general managers for a long, long time in the NBA with just what talent he was able to find overseas in the draft. And in this year, um, drafting Josh Primo, passing on Duarte, Moses Moody, Sangoon, all of those guys, I think that was really sketchy. Now they did bring in my guy, Joe Wieskamp from Iowa in the second round. And He's, again, a boring guy, but he's a really good shooter um, and should be able to play a few minutes here and there. Um, You know, we'll see how active he gets on this team just because they have, like, 10 athletic guards and not sure what else they're going to do with their roster. But, um, yeah, I'm just really sad for Pop, and it's kind of sad to see where the Spurs franchise is gone. And 
I'd be surprised if they're able to write this ship within the next five years. Yeah, it's tough. And especially with Tim Duncan being an assistant coach now. And I mean, everyone's also high on Becky Hammond as being like a, 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 the next like pop disciple and like going on to coach a team, which I'd love to see. Um, I also like to see Tim Duncan like take over as head coach somewhere. Um, yeah, it's just tough. I mean, after seeing how, how successful pop was, I mean, for his, I mean, the 20 plus years he's been a coach now, it's just, it's definitely tough to watch. And so, especially just see just how, kind of Kawhi himself kind of turned the whole franchise, I mean, uh, around in the worst way possible, did a whole 180 with his team. Um, it's it's just sad to watch it all go down in flames almost. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, well, Mitch, any final thoughts on the Western Conference here? Um, I know we went over our three classes here, the Russell class, the McGrady class, and the Kellogg class, but any final thoughts on any of these teams? Aaron, we kind of I mean, I feel like the uh, the one switch we both had is just the big one, the Nuggets and the Mavericks, and whether one of those teams will be actually uh, competing. And the sad thing is we won't be able to tell about the Nuggets until Jamal Murray comes back. Right. Um, so, like you said, it's the Nuggets are just going to be – it's going to be huge for the Nuggets to see how much they can kind of um, keep the ship going while he's out, how well MPJ can play. Um, but I'm, I'm excited um, just because – I'm interested now in this Kings team now, just even ever so a little bit more. And they, they will be the team I want to watch on the pass. And I hate that about myself, but it's just something that was going to happen. hundred percent. Well, this has been the Western conference edition of this podcast. Again, thank you for joining us on the Hooper's Almanac. We're not going to do a, a cereal and brews here as this is actually a back-to-back recording. Um, and we're going to include that with the Eastern conference, but we will be including, you know, that segment going forward. So if you enjoyed that, um, don't worry, it'll be back. Um, but for Mitchell Sell, you know, my name is Aaron Carter. Welcome again to the Hooper's Almanac. Thank you for joining us and listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Hooper's Almanac. Give us a like or a follow on Spotify. Um, and thank you again for joining the show. Have a good night.